Hey, this is Sarah Carter from Portside Fitness. And if you want to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy, you should be listening to Stories That Sell with my good friend, Scott Ramage. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey everyone, on this episode, I have a great friend of mine, Sarah Carter. Sarah is a former collegiate basketball player who turned collegiate coach at Ole Miss and Louisiana Top Tech. She never thought she would leave the basketball world, but lo and behold, she is now the owner of Portside Fitness in Mississippi, back in her hometown. In this episode, we talk about collegiate sports, the joys of being an underdog, coaching the college in this college sport world and how CrossFit drew her in and changed her view on what she wanted to do. She also discusses anxiety, making big changes, and why she wouldn't change any of the mistakes that she's made in this journey. Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. VAs for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R-Gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. Hey, hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. Super well, excited. Me too. Me too. We get to we get to text once in a while, and it's been fun getting to know you. And so I was uh, looking forward to this because there's so much I don't know about you. I know you have a phenomenal gym. I know you've been doing this for a while. So let's just kind of dive in. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm sitting outside, relaxed. So <laughs> yeah. So you're in Mississippi, right? Like on the coastline right on the coastline, Gulfport, Mississippi. So uh, right in between Mobile, Alabama and New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. Best of both worlds, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Born and raised? Are you from that area? Born born here, raised here. Um, Left for about 10 years and now now back home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about kind of like growing up in, you know, on on the ocean, basically, you're right along the ocean in Mississippi. What was your childhood like? What were you involved in? Yeah, so I actually grew up um, a street off the beach. Um, my parents still actually have the property. Unfortunately, with hurricanes, um, things happen, and and Hurricane Katrina that everybody's probably heard of took that took that home from us. But that's that's the only home I had ever known. So growing up that close to the beach. I had um, cousins that grew up on my street, grandparents, aunts and uncles. So we ran the roads. We owned the street. We were the second street gang. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So uh, there wasn't a tree or roof or yard or anything that I have not been on (laughs) or in. Um, You know, we, we would, our parents, um, especially my mom and my aunt, they take me and my brother and my two uh, boy cousins down to the beach at the evening. We'd skimboard. They'd wear our tails out. And Very then, smart. Yep. <laughs> and then come home, eat, and, you know, dinner, but um, just super active growing up. Um, was was in and out of every single, single sport. Anything my brother did, I did. So, like, um, he played soccer for one little season didn't love it so I never did it um (laughs) but every other sport 
you know, I was involved in, whether it was swimming, tennis, basketball, I played boys baseball, um, golfed with my grandmother. So we were super active, active kids. And um, I mean, obviously that correlates into kind of where I am now. Yeah. So you played sports. Uh, did you play through high school, anything in college or did it end in kind of your earlier years? Yeah. So um, I went to a small little Catholic high school who had an incredible women's basketball coach. Um, basketball wasn't actually my first love. Shockingly, I was going to be the first female to play college baseball. Like oh, that wow. was my dream. Yeah. Crazy. I played baseball up until um, I was a sophomore, I think in high school and I, and you know, I quit growing, the boys got bigger, stronger, and I kept getting hit at the plate a lot. And I was like, all right, let me move, let me move on. Um, but basketball was really probably about, I mean, really even in seventh grade, I, I was pulled up to play on the, on the high school level and they started in the eighth grade and, um, it just progressed. So, I mean, I'm not very big, 5'1", uh, on a good day. Um, point guard who just was tough nose, could defend anybody, and could, could flat out run a team. Um, and, I mean, that's kind of – I started doing that, and then my high school coach was like, you got to go play for the Kenner Angels over in Louisiana. Mm. So, when I did that in the summer – um, I played with three kids that signed with LSU, um, and a WNBA All-American, you know, so I had, I had a lot of talent that I got to play around. So I just got better. Um, so then from there, I, I did play at the university of South Alabama. Um, at the time they were kind of the laughing stock of the Sun Belt, and it was a brand new coach. And I started from freshman year to senior year. And we went from, I think we won like 13 games where everybody was so happy. And I was like, we lost 17. Right, right. Like, I'm like, how are you so happy? You know, um, to win in 27 and four or something like that my senior year. So, I mean, <clears throat> we progressively got better. And, um, and I got to beat every Mississippi school that said I was a great little point guard. <laughs> that's awesome you know as a so, short, as a shorter person myself five six on a very good day I yeah. kind of, I that's one thing I love about watching basketball is sure there's a ton of really tall people in there but there's some point guards that I mean th that height isn't the most important thing it's speed yeah. like you know, commanding the team and leading them and and calling the shots really honestly mm -hmm. oh um, yeah really cool yeah yeah, Spud Webb was kind of my my <laughs> yeah. uh, idol back in the day, obviously, uh, height-wise. But, yeah, I mean, I, I it's crazy because I played tons of games. I've never hit a winning shot in my life. I hit the winning shot to be Ole Miss. Wow. And that was, yeah, we had come back from, like, 17 down. So that was, like, you know. That's pretty epic. That's what you get for yeah. not, yeah. <laughs> and then beat Mississippi State, Southern Miss. Um, so, I mean, we, we had some really good fun times. I mean, I was glad I went there because it's kind of fun being the underdog, you know, and taking down some bigger teams. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. And I mean, it's, it's a job to play in college, you know, people, people don't realize the amount of time constraints that you're, you're held under. And I mean, I missed almost every holiday it stretches over. Wow. So, I mean, I've driven back on Christmas Day to have practice. You know, Thanksgiving, we might be at a tournament. Spring break, you could be playing postseason. There was, like, no <laughs> no break for, for basketball, but I wouldn't trade it. Yeah, the, most people that I talk to who have been through collegiate sports, it's just a, it's a whole different world. And one thing I, I've noticed is um, they know how to work. Like they just, mm -hmm. because they've had to do it for so long. So you'd go through college, you're playing basketball and um, how did the transition from, you know, college and being an athlete and kind of being, you know, kind of maybe a little bit of a star on the team. Mm -hmm. uh, how did, how did that transition go into the real world from there? Yeah. So the crazy thing is, is it, 
it's a slight adjustment, but I went from being a player to a graduate assistant to a coach. So I was still so involved in a team sport. Um, you know, you, you'd still get out there and potentially practice or, um, you know, run plays. So it wasn't like, yeah, yes, I wasn't playing, but I was still so involved. So you were still involved at the college mm-hmm. level. You were still oh, yeah. college. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, when I went to, when I was at Ole Miss, um, we actually went to the elite eight. We had a super small team who just were tough as nails. And I mean, we went down the line of beating Maryland, Oklahoma. I mean, we had some fun, fun games when I was there, but I was still young. There was a lot of excitement. I was still, you know, like I said, practicing some with the team. Um, just being involved in that team atmosphere is so different than like, I didn't leave college and, you know, golf into this unknown kind of world. Mm-hmm. So, and then from Ole Miss, I went to Louisiana Tech. So this is where I kind of stepped out from under, because my high school coach, actually, after I graduated, went down and was an assistant at the University of Florida, then became an assistant at Ole Miss, and then became the head coach at Ole Miss. Wow. So I, yeah, I was like, all right, it's time for me to kind of spread my wings. So I left and went to Louisiana Tech. So still kind of, you know, close to home and in in vicinity of, you know, an easy drive to get to parents or brother or whatever. But the cool thing about that, I I coached under the legend, Teresa Weatherspoon. So if anybody knows women's basketball, they know who Teresa Weatherspoon is. You can Google her and see she's done everything under the sun. Um, So that was a cool experience. And then just being in the WAC, we got to travel so many places. Yeah. Um, Hawaii five times just to play a game, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, I commend kids who who travel and have to keep up with grades. And like you said, I mean, it's hard work. So being able to transition into the real world of either owning a business or being in some kind of, um, they've done so many things. They put in hours, you know, and then they've also had to study and and make the grades. Yeah. So how long were you involved in kind of collegiate sports and, and the college scene um, after you graduated? 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you, you were involved in basketball? The whole mm-hmm. time. Okay. Yep. Okay. And so what happens at that point? You, 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 you've been a collegiate player. Now you're kind of tagged in. And I, most people I know that kind of go through those ranks stay forever. I mean, that's, that's their career path. They move into head coach and they move from mm-hmm. college to college. And uh, that's not the case for you. No, I had, I had one opportunity to, I had actually interviewed for the head job at Delta state which is in Mississippi, a D2 school that, that has tons of history, if you go back and look. Um, and it was one of those things like, do I really want to do this? Hmm. Um, and I ended up, it came down to me and another guy. And one, I didn't really want to live in the Delta in Mississippi, even though it would have been you know, a big opportunity. But um, the guy got it. I stayed another year at Louisiana Tech. And I think just my priorities kind of started to shift. Um, I love basketball. There's times that I'm watching it and I'm like, you can tell how passionate I am about it. Um, I know like where people played in high school. And, you know, I just know little strange tidbits that other people will be like, how do you know all this info? Um, so I still have a passion for it, but I started to kind of just try to figure out, is this really what I wanted to do with my life and my time? Um, and I think the big turning point for me really came when my brother was living in Memphis and he and his wife had their first child in December and I, I was five hours away and I didn't get to see him till March. Wow. So it was like a big gap of like when I could even, you know, go just because we're in the thick of things. And I think for me, that was, you know, kind of like, okay, well, I can continue doing what I'm doing. I could keep chasing jobs and going, 
here, there, and everywhere. And I wasn't sure that's what I wanted to do. Um, so that's when I kind of shifted and started realize my priorities and and things were changing for me and decided it was time to to step back and do something different yeah a lot of people I think um that's a very fearful or they get very a lot of fear wrapped in that change and I I find this as a pattern with business owners entrepreneurs is that change is more exciting than staying where you're at so do you th- did you f- ever feel before that, or was it kind of just this accumulation all kind of came at once, and you're like, "This isn't what I'm going to do for the rest of my life"? And and how had you dealt with change prior to that? It really came all at once. I mean, it was a big. If I could have stayed at Ole Miss, I loved it there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have, but I knew if I was going to grow, I had to get out from under comfort. And it was comfort for me there. Um, I needed to go somewhere that, which actually one of the coaches I ended up working with coached me at South Alabama. So it's still a little comfort at Louisiana Tech, mm-hmm. but it was enough, you know, for me, fear and excitement to make that leap. Um, for a lot of coaches that I talk to, and there's, there's a bunch that I still know, some have gotten out and it's like, it's a whole new world to them because it's a rat race. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're trying to get kids. You're trying to, you know, um, beat out 15 to 20 other colleges who's offered scholarships, you know, to the same kid or, um, you know, you have to win. Is there ever an off season in that position? Yes. I mean, there's, there's downtime. And I think it's, it's changed a lot since I've gotten out. So I've been out now for almost 10 years. So the rules have changed a lot right after season. There's a little bit of downtime, but there's like an April evaluation weekend. There's summer. I mean, there's always recruiting always. Um, So I almost never stopped. And then when, when it was like, okay, now you can text kids. I was like, this is not what I want to do with my time. You were always going to be connected. Yes. You were always yes. going to be coming at you. Yeah. I mean, you had to be on Twitter because that's kind of where everybody hung out, you know, and stuff like that. Um, now, do I miss being in a suitcase and on the road some? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think about that, you know, because I got to go to a lot of neat places. But it was just, I, I could just, since I was ready to move on. And and again, coaches that have gotten out are like, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you get out. Did you have an exit plan? Did you have the next steps? I remember walking. Well, I kind of did. <laughs> I was like, I remember going to Las Vegas for our WAC tournament. And I had told Coach Spoon, I was like, hey, we got a few hours. I'm going to catch cab, go to a CrossFit gym. She was like, what? I was like, yeah. So, you know, I spent probably 40 bucks in a cab ride there, 40 bucks back, paid a drop-in fee just to go work out for an hour. And I was like, okay, something's changed in me. Mm. Like to go do that. Um, So I remember like getting back and I was like, I just don't know that I want to keep doing this. And I sat in her office. I mean, I bawled. (laughs) <laughs> and she she knew she was like you're I, you have a new love and I was like yeah and it was CrossFit when did you start your fitness journey I mean you've been an an athlete so I mean yeah 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 it was weird um and it's funny even now because I'm like oh getting up for 6 a.m like workouts it was just like uh you know and now I'm like 4:30 a.m. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know, you know, we've always worked out. I've always been made to work out. I think that's the difference. Like I was always like, you know, you had to be in shape to do this. You had to run suicide. You had to run sprints. You had to lift weights. And so that kind of I wasn't in love with it then. But then I got out 
I was still pretty active. I mean, had again, play up and down with the kids or um, play tennis, uh, run, walk, lift a little bit, but it wasn't that much of a priority. And my neighbor at the time in Ruston was like, hey, my brother and sister-in-law are going to open a gym. And I was like, oh, okay. They're like, yeah. She's like, yeah, it's a CrossFit gym. You should go with me. And I was like, my mom told me she did CrossFit. I don't think that's going to be for me. (laughs) And uh, so I went and I was like, okay, let's go tomorrow. You know, it was like, you just got that, that I got hooked. Was Um, it working out with other people? Was it the competitive, like nature of maybe, you know, trying to do as much as you could in as little time or what, or as, you know, whatever the case might've been. I think it maybe was a combination of both. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it was, you're, you're in your little bubble. Um, you know, when you're, when you're coaching, you have all these coaching friends. And um, so I, I didn't really have a bunch of like people I knew outside of that. And so it was kind of a little bit of, Oh man, there's a whole other world in Ruston too, you know, and I'm meeting all these people and they love what they're doing and I'm loving it and I want to go back and they want me to come back, you know? So I think it was just a little bit of like community competitiveness, kind of, kind of being on a team yeah. that I, that I missed. Um, even though I was part of a team, it was still like, you know, um, being a part of something. So I think that's what really drew me in. And then, like I said, I knew when I was in a city I had no no idea about and decided to get a you know cab ride to go do something that I knew that that some stuff had changed for me. Yeah. Yeah. So you you kind of get engrossed in this CrossFit thing. You kind of feel these changes and notice these things inside of you and maybe your focus has changed. What do you do? What did you do? I called my mom and I was like, I think I want to open a gym and Gulfport. And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I want to coach anymore. And it, it was kind of like, I think for even her, it was like, there's just no way this is happening. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, because, you know, I mean, that this was the path I was always going to take. I was always going to coach college basketball. Yeah. Like I didn't care what degree I got. I knew whatever I did, the route was college basketball. And um, so I think for her, and a little selfishly, she got to come up, spend the weekend, watch practice, watch games. Right. And I mean, she did that, you know, with me playing. So, I mean, I think a little bit of that too was like, she's going to miss that. But, you know, she was like, okay, let's do it. So I told coach spoon and started to kind of you know make these changes put my house up for sale it sold and I was like okay I'm actually moving I'm actually moving in with my parents (laughs) at at, uh, how old was I 28 maybe 29 something like that that had to be fun that was yes never again okay so you you move back home in this whole process, you, you, you're having to tell people I'm done with this and I'm moving to this. You know, when I did that in my career, when I quit, when I ended my teaching career, when I sold one of my businesses, then sold another business and then moved locations, every step in all of those situations, I had well-meaning people tell me how ridiculous I was for changing my path. Did you run into any of that at that time? I had a lot of like, like, congrats. I think that's awesome. Um, But a little bit of like, kind of like you're doing what? Like you're opening a gym. But I think for some people, they, they found it it fitting, you know, just with, with my background and everything. Um, I, I honestly think the biggest, like, I think my brother and dad were proud of me. But I think they too were kind of like, you're, you're really going to make a living doing this kind of thing. And, you know, I mean, it, it was hard at the beginning. It definitely was. I knew nothing, (laughs) nothing about business. 
zero. Um, and, and in the same year, my brother had opened his own perio practice. So here he's a periodontist, mm-hmm. you know, and here I'm a gym owner and it's like, you know, he's, <laughs> he's got, you know, you don't want to go see him <laughs> ever, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I knew a little bit just by asking him some questions, but I made all the mistakes in the book. I mean, all of them and failed on a lot of things, but I was, I wouldn't change the way I did it because I think it's brought me to the realization of who I am today and, and what Portside is. But yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of doubt in a lot of people. There was probably doubt in me too. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I'm living at home, you know, I hate to even say this on camera, but like mom's doing laundry, dinner's made, you know, all I'm having to do is get up, go coach workouts, come home, drink beer in the middle of the day, did that a couple times, you know, (laughs) hanging out. I mean, it was a, you know, it kind of was a hobby initially a lot of gym owners start that way. It's kind of like, like they have this passion. They want to help other people work out, get fit, have fun. And it's, and they approach it as a hobby. It's how I approached when I opened my CrossFit, I really quickly sw- shifted the business out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Like, Holy cow. I got to mm-hmm. pay the rent. <laughs> like there's a lot yep. going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that was, I can't even remember when I had the realization, but you know, there's just so many gyms. I mean, there's so many ups and downs. And if your mind isn't right and ready and you don't have people around you that support you, I mean, it really becomes challenging and, and you can't, I fell into that whole trap of, you know, friends and, and doing things and all that. And, you know, all that did was give a lot of headache and frustration. Let's, let's um, talk about you know, separating friendship and business, because I think mm-hmm. that's something a lot of business owners and I have, I have experienced this as well. When you don't kind of keep those lines firm, it can cause a lot of trouble. So tell me some, a little bit about that experience. Yeah, it's, it's very challenging because I think, you know, going in, you've got this small knit group, you put a lot of faith in, in people, you want to hang out with people. I mean, I was, I was by myself sole owner, young, um, you know, a lot of my friends growing up aren't here. And so it was one of those like, you know, man, I really like them. Okay, well, yeah, let's go hang out. Let's go do this. Well, at the end of the day, then it becomes, I don't really know how to describe it other than like, like I have to be the owner and I can't like, I can like you and help you as a person as much as I can, but the friendship part is where that, that line in the sand has to come. Um, because it's crossed so many times and that's where it can get really sticky and really messy. And in the sense of like, sometimes it's, it's felt on, on their end that they can say or do anything, you know, to you. And then it's like, then you get into the stickiness of like your mind and, oh my gosh, should I do this? Or, well, they're saying this, they don't like the programming. Maybe I should change it, you know? And it's like, then you start doing things, you you start questioning yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like it got pretty sticky for me. What, what made you realize, was there a specific one instance or somebody, a mentor or a friend that said, whoa, 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 time out. You got to change how you operate. Yeah, I think, I think I started hiring mentors, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, that basically had, had been through the same things, you know, made a lot of those mistakes. And I mean, if I could go back, I, I say sometimes if I could go back, I'd change it, but I don't think I would because it made me grow. And then it, to me, it put the right people in my life to help me grow. And if I was down the same path, I'd kind of still be in the same location, I think, 
you know, fighting the same battles, doing the same things, making the same mistakes, beating my head up against the wall. And I mean, you have to get people who are smarter than you, who've been there, you know, who, who are going to tell you the truth and make you take action. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what happened with me. Such a hard lesson to learn, but, um, and I, I, I really commend you for if I, I wouldn't change any of it. So many people like, Oh, I'd change this or do this differently. And, and I, I really am a true believer that every mistake we make and every little trial we go through, even when we're in them for a long time, there's so much to be learned and it's, it's forming us into who we are today. So what other big lessons, you know, looking back over the past 10 years, like what are some of the, like, what's like the biggest other lesson you've learned other than don't, don't be too close. Don't be friends with you. Yeah. Um, hire mentors earlier you know, hire people that are going to be unbiased in your corner, want the best for you. Um, you know, hire, I would have hired sooner as in coaches too, had I known what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think those that and hire an accountant. So those are probably the three big things that I would say that I can think of right off the top of my head are huge because I tried to do accounting on my own, gave my QuickBooks to somebody, they handed me my taxes and I went. <laughs> and then, I, and then mom, I'm in a bind, you know, so I've had to call on her a couple of times for certain mistakes that, that I've made. Um, hiring coaches out of like earlier and paying them and not just trading membership um, because I was tired or exhausted and just needed to fill um, even though some of those coaches have been great and still with you know with me I would have rather hired and paid them at the start yeah well, you're, what you're telling me right now is, you know, pay it, it pays to pay money to you will make more money and you'll be more yes. successful. So um, I know a little something about your your journey is also establishing and, and really realizing your value, like your service. What is the actual value? What's your journey been like with, you know, how much you're going to charge and what that looks like and maybe some, you know, um, non-abundant thinking with whatever that, you know, let's talk about that, your journey through that. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, when you first, when I first opened, I, I just went off typical, like what are people charging around here? You know, I think everybody does it. There's a, a couple other gyms and you're kind of looking and it's like, oh, well, they're charging a hundred dollars a month. Okay. Well, I need to charge a hundred or, oh, I need to discount teachers and and fire and, and you know emt and military and um so i did all those things uh you know did stuff like i, I you panic when you look and you're like i need members i need members i need members but do you need members right and it's taken a long time and it's not this has been a long process to go from throwing discounts because I just need somebody in the door or giving things away. Like, Hey, if you sign, you know, this three month contract for $119 a month, I'll give you the prep course for free. Mm -hmm. Right. So now I'm giving away three, four hours of my time to teach somebody for free how to do, you know, our movements. So I've taken, you know, I went from that route um, to literally slowly like increasing what our monthly um, rate is to adding a prep course that people paid for um, to adding nutrition that people, you know, value and pay for 
to now, in my opinion, opinion, charging our true worth for the results that they get. And it may not always be physical. It's a lot of mind and heart because physical is not usually what people come in for. They say it, but then when you find out their why and you dig deep, it's way more than that. And then, so starting a gym where I was rah-rah fitness to now, like I'm in consults with people in tears because we're getting to the real meaning of their issue and we're able to help solve that so that they can be happy and live a life full of what they want to want to do. That's where I've now become and our prices reflect it. Yeah. Yeah. So does that, did that scare you when you first made like some big jumps? I, I know you've made some. Big- oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 What scared you about that? Because I mean, I'm scared to death when I do that. So I'm with yeah. you. So, so I had a lot going on and you know, a little bit of this, I think. Um, I just had a lot going on in general and I just, I was filling my plate, mm-hmm. right? I was filling it with everything. I was doing, you know, this for another company, this for another company. I was doing, um, you know, our stuff at the gym. I was taking on people. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wake up in the middle of the night, like panicked, right? Never happened to me before. And I had just also gotten into changing everything we did to show our value. So clearly that on top of everything just threw me into a spiral. Um, so I had anxiety that I had never in my life dealt with was having panic attacks like literally and I mean somebody else may may go through this brushing my teeth at night was scary Mm. like I could not breathe and that's like anybody that deals with that can understand it but I used to tell people I, I don't have anxiety I don't know any you know I'm just so glad I don't have it and then all of a sudden this hit and it was like I could not stop the spiral. So that in the meantime, while all that was going on, I was still able to sell these high ticket memberships because I knew people needed it. I needed it. (laughs) Yeah. And so it forced me to take action. So, you know, go to doctor, go to a Christian therapist that I'm seeing once a week. I'm having quiet time with Jesus. Um, Like so many things have changed for me because of what we're doing for other people. We're taking mindset courses. I mean, we're living in a time that I didn't think I'd ever go through a pandemic like this. Yeah. So it's, it's uncharted territory and it's the strong headed, strong willed who are crumbling. So true. So true. I think that, you know, a lot of business owners are super resilient, super strong, you know, in, in public, they look like everything's together. And I think a lot of them actually end up hitting that point where they, they have some anxiety, they get maybe a little OCD or, or whatever Mm -hmm. it is and it. And, um, and, and a lot of them just don't know what to do with it. And I think you, you mentioned like three or four things, steps, and they're pretty serious things, Christian counselor, mindset coaching, um, you know, all these things you're doing. And, uh, I, I just think that's phenomenal. And I think business owners really need to have that in their quiver. If they're not dealing with it now, there's a really good chance that that could come up. So be prepared, right? Oh, I thought, I thought I had this plank on my shoulders and you could just fill it, fill it, fill it. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was strong. Like I got broad shoulders. I can handle it, put it on me, you know? And, you know, clearly nobody was prepared for what we really have gone through. Right. And not only has it affected our members or your clients or whoever, but you know, their, their problems 
can become your problems, meaning, you know, they're talking to you and you're taking it on and you have to have some way to release that. So I really feel like my purpose, I have gone through this for a reason Mm -hmm. and I am going to help other people deal with it because you cannot just keep filling your time. At some point, you're never going to get better or the anxiety is never going to ease if you don't, if you can't sit still with yourself. So, I mean, I immediately, when I had a panic attack in um, Florida, I messaged Colm, who does the mindset course, and I was like, I need your help. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, the action I've taken has put me so much more at ease. And I've unloaded some things that don't fill my cup. Yep. And I'm loading them with what is fulfilling it. And a lot of that right now is quiet time with the Lord, mm-hmm. first and foremost. And then from there, I want to do the things that make me happy. Yeah, I, I've experienced similar similar journeys. And you you just basically said it so well. Business owners will take on more and more and more and more, almost like they're super human and it, it's so incredibly important. You know, I'm very passionate about commanding your time, commanding your resources and leveraging yourself so that you aren't carrying everything and then saying no, man, that is a brand new thing for me. I used to think it's a, it's a sentence, Scott. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, that is, that is a tough one. I always thought like, if an opportunity comes, I'm crazy to say no. And that's, you know, instead of being abundant minded be like, no, there's going to be plenty of opportunities. This is not what's right for me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a huge lesson, a huge takeaway for other business owners is, you know, yeah, you can carry that much, but for only so long. Oh yeah. What's guilt. When you say no, there's some, sometimes you feel guilt and you have to be able to understand that for you, you have to say, say no at that point in time, that opportunity will come back around. If you can't take care of you first and foremost, how are you going to take care of your other members and your other clients and be vulnerable? I mean, I had, I'll tell you, I'm shocked at them. Like this happened to me. I've talked to everybody. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, have you experienced this? Have you experienced this? Have you? And every single person's like, yeah, I can't believe you never have before. I'm like, this is nuts. Why does nobody talk about this? (laughs) Because you feel weak. But I don't feel weak. I'm like, I feel much stronger and relieved talking about it. I have a, um, a, an, a I actually interviewed someone for this podcast. His name, mm-hmm. um, wow, I can't even think of it right now. <laughs> like, I, you, you, I think Seidel. you sent it to me, yeah. didn't you? John yeah. Seidel and his book is called Finding Rest. And it's about anxiety. Mm-hmm. And he actually experiences OCD, which is a, a symptom of anxiety, very high yeah. level. And, or, you know, he's, it's pretty intense. And, um, his whole book is around, you know, the pillars, like you have to have your health, you have to have spiritual. I mean, I don't remember them all right now, but it's so incredibly important to talk about it, acknowledge Mm -hmm. it, be okay. And he believes that telling his story is part of, well, it's going to help heal other people, but heal himself. Um, That book is not out as of right now, but I have read it and it's phenomenal. Nice. Uh, yeah. So you sent it, you sent it to me. So I'll probably get it and read it. Yeah. Yeah. I figured you would, you should actually knowing your belief and, and, um, you, you know, that you, you already kind of work within that Christian realm. It's going to be an awesome mm-hmm. fit. It's a really good one. So, uh, nice. do you believe that, that your, your experience in sports has positively benefited you in business? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't, there's no way that I would have stepped out and opened my own facility or own my own business. Had I not had the ups and downs and the toughness when it came to sports. Um, I mean, it helped in school, it helped in life, it's helped in business. Um, so now I do have a family full of some entrepreneurs. I guess I didn't think about that until, you know, I started to think about who did, who did what, but that was still never a path I was going to take. So I think the toughness of it, especially in the point guard position, I I always say 
And it's funny because I think my mind is getting there. If I could be as tough and as compassionate an owner as I was a point guard, I probably wouldn't have many issues. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, I can't, I'm trying to correlate and and get to that point because it was like, I was tough. Like things that people said to me, I just moved on. Next play. Yeah. Next play. Yeah. You know, it, nothing bothered me. And, um, I'm slow. I'm getting back to that and it's exciting. That is really exciting. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit. I want to ask you a few things about, um, you know, kind of, I would definitely say you're successful. Your, your business is thriving. You're doing a phenomenal job, especially coming out of COVID shutdowns, all these things that really seriously affected, um, businesses. Um, what, what is your favorite source of inspiration or growth? Like, is it podcasts, videos, books? Like, I'd I think love to hear. lately, yeah, it's a combination. Um, I listen to podcasts when I walk, mm-hmm. um, and I like to walk and kind of my flow time. I'm reading, I'm reading a lot of books. Most of the books at this point in time are about. Um, your mind or mindfulness, stuff like that. Cause that's kind of where, where my thought process is going. Um, but I take a lot from kind of everybody. I'm in different groups. Um, you know, PT legends is my new group that is just so passionate about, um, helping people and then mentoring us as owners and coaches. Um, but I mean, I, I soak it all in and then I, I'm sometimes slow to make decisions, but when I know I want to do something, I move forward with it. Um, there's, there's a couple of people in the two brain group, a couple of mentors who are talking a lot about women and hormones Yep, that has been heavy on me. Um, and it's, you know, I've kind of seeked out to them, Hey, what should I take? What courses, what are you, you know, doing just to find out? Um, because that's the kind of people that I'm getting and I want to help them as best I can. Um, so there's knowledge everywhere. I just think whatever you have to try things and whether that's a book on audio, which I kind of can do, but I get lost in my thoughts sometimes (laughs) or just the voice, but I love podcasts. I can really get into that and then reading books for me. Um, and then follow people that inspire you. Yeah. You know, we're all on social media. Obviously we'd probably love to be off it if we could, but, um, follow people that inspire you, you know, and find people who are smarter and more successful and seek them out. I try to, uh, it's a really good, really good piece of advice. Look, everybody. We all want to say we hate social media, but there's just as a business owner, you really need to be engaged in social media. There's kind of no way around it. And if you do, you're probably doing that at the sacrifice of your, uh, of your business a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, I did this experiment. I don't, it might've been like 16 months ago. And instead of like liking, just liking things I agreed with, I changed my behavior to only like and comment on positive things, mm. non-political, non, like, what do I need to fill my day with? And I did yeah. that for like solid. It's like, I'm only commenting or, 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 or liking or loving or whatever, something that yeah. positive and filling me up. And I did that. And I did that. And I did that before I knew it, my feed was nothing but that stuff. But positive. You can, yeah. You can actually train your social media to be at least Facebook like what you want it to be. But we have this insatiable desire to like people who like the same or feel the same way about a very controversial topic, or mm-hmm. they're, they're saying something negative and you want to, you want to fill them up with something positive. However, when you are doing that, you're kind of changing the the way that that algorithm is looking at you and like, Hey, this person likes to engage in things that, you know, about so-and-so. So, yeah. um, following those, the, the right people and actually doing some intentional activities on social media will actually help your feed quite a bit. Just a little. Yeah. I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. I'm, I'm going to, when I'm scrolling, 
<laughs> I'm gonna see see what things come up and see, yeah. I'll I'll let you know. Yeah, if it's mostly positive. It's crazy because even if you you don't see something from someone someone very often, like you like never see yeah. it, but you know and you see it and it's super engaging or it's super positive and you, you do something about it, they'll show up a lot more in your feed. You're like, huh, I just yeah. thought they weren't very active. It's like no, you just you you're training it to do to show yeah. you what you want to see. Um, so. I kind of want to fast forward to this question because I think you have so much experience. I know you have so much experience as a, you know, think back of yourself at 28. What would you tell yourself? What would you tell yourself if you could go back and send yourself one message about business or life or, you know, anything, what would you say? Find and surround your yourself with positive engaging people it's good people that want what's best for you yeah and not just fun times <laughs> right yeah that's i mean good. that's that's the thing that kind of pops into my into my head mm -hmm. at the moment yeah i i, so yeah, I yeah we'll go with that that's a it's a really good one it's kind of like the five people you hang around with right it's like you become mm -hmm. um I kind of feel like that's true on the most part, but there's more than one way to hang around people. And I think especially in today's world, it's really important to realize that there's so many things you mentioned, mentors, you mentioned, you know, coaches, all these things. Those are so incredibly important. Um, what's a habit, like a daily habit that you do that you, you would pass on to anybody if they were willing to take it? One minute of breath work. Okay. That's it. Okay. One minute of breath work. Is that, do you do like Wim Hof method or do you have a certain style you use? Just literally look at a phone. Colin taught me this. Look at a phone, breathe in and out one minute. Yep. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be like box breathing or anything like that. It's just, you're taking that time for yourself. Yep. Okay. And it's as simple as one minute. And I think if people, if people, yeah, if people incorporate that, I usually incorporate it, you know, habit stacking. So yep. I get my coffee, um, I sit down and I take that minute and then I start my day. I actually end my day with it too, mm -hmm. before I get in bed, um, just cause it's, it's so calming and I'm, I'm doing it for me. And you kind of tell yourself, this is for me. Yeah, that's great. Well, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, hearing your story of uh, from competitive basketball, collegiate basketball to uh, leading people and guiding them through the things that they really need change in. I'm really excited to keep watching your journey. Thank you. I'm excited to see, see where it heads. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. you for listening to the stories that sell podcast if you appreciated the content on the show be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week